Hey everybody, Todd here, and I swear we're going to get started in just one minute, but I wanted to take a moment to remind you, if you're enjoying the show, if you like what we do on the web, social media, you name it, take a look at our new page over at patreon.com slash play to find out how you might be able to get involved, what we can do for you, and uh, just take a look around and see what we're doing there. So again, that's patreon.com slash play. Sit back and enjoy. Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam, and you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundromat was my sanctuary, the arcade was my church. I thought I was grass stand, so for evil I was searched. The joystick was the only thing I enjoyed holding, because it let me save the world. Okay, well, do you guys have any questions for me, or should we just proceed? I'm good. I'm going to think of a ridiculous question. Yeah, give me a <laughs> thing. Start off on the right foot, yeah. <laughs> now, here's my ridiculous question. It's Michael and Cy. Is that correct? Okay. Yes. I like to have my pronunciation right before the show starts. I had a friend who waited waited until I said the name Cy to know what her name was, as opposed to just asking how do you pronounce it, because he had only heard it in text. Mm-hmm. And it What's was, this? It's like, you know, that's, that's strategic. This Ryan. Oh, smart cookie. <laughs> but then after he, he did probably it, he, he probably had no idea how it was pronounced anyway. Nobody does. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So well, I'm guessing I'm guessing that Todd picked it up because you said it. <laughs> here's nobody, what it is. I'll, I'll admit this. I actually I, I was curious yesterday because I thought I, I don't think I've met anyone with that name before. So I knew you guys had previously appeared on a different podcast, like just recently, and I went and yes. listened to it. But they had an accent that doesn't match up with mine, <laughs> and I thought it could be it, it could still go either way as far as I would pronounce it, you know. So uh, I had to ask. No, yeah, my name is Asai is short for sidemail, so that's something I know that nobody gets it right, and that's fine. I completely understand. I'm used to having a variety of different names wherever I go because you know it's fascinating when you travel abroad. They, I, I, people get very creative. I've been told a thousand <laughs> different things. It's fascinating. Yeah, my my wife works in the medical field, and we we meet so many people with so many names and so many backgrounds and everything. I've just become very straightforward and like, how do you pronounce that? Because it seems better to ask that once is the and then best. do it right. <laughs> Trust, yes, that that is the best. Actually, I appreciate when people take the time to actually find out about that. Yeah. So okay, then uh, let's go ahead and get started. Michael and Sai, thank you for appearing on the podcast. Thanks for calling. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for thanks for talking to us. My pleasure. You guys are actively uh, developing right now. You're working on well, which are you working on? Are you working on Machigachi Z right now? Yes, that's the big focus. Um, we're we, we have Machi Star, of course, is in the works too. But uh, Machigachi Z is what we're kind of primarily doing. Yeah, that's kind of part of. I wanted to set the table a little bit. What you all are doing is ultimately working on. Matchy Star, which is uh, sort of a casual puzzle game, is that right? Yes, it's a we call it a match them all. It's a a twist on Match Threes, 
where um, ships kind of come and collect the matches as opposed to just, um, like, when you get a match, it just disappears. You, you have to actually get a little ship to come in and collect them. So it's a it's another layer on top of normal match threes. I love that. I, I love the match three format. And I also really like how you all have taken sort of traditional formulas and mashed them up a little bit, mixed things up, put interesting twists on it. I, I really like the direction yeah, I, that's that's something that we used to call like the silver man thing, the silver man effect, because Michael <laughs> likes to. Yes, every single time we're trying to talk about a new game design or anything that we want to include, even if it's just you know adding food to the to the <laughs> new Tama game that we're working on, it's like Michael always tries to you know he is a very creative person and he always tries to you know adapt the essence of what the game design is and and then just silver man the whole thing. It's just it's become a thing. <laughs> The Silverman effect. I I like that. Well, it, it you know Silverman the thing. You you think that's a compliment, but you know Silverman is also kind of like <laughs> making a giant mess of everything and just. No, come on, it's not. I like that too. Well, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. That's good. So, so then I guess we should talk a little bit about how the the studio works. Who who does what roles? Uh, I am uh, coding. Uh, so I write all the code and I do. Michael do does everything. Kind of let's let's be honest. Yeah, he he's uh, the one running the studio. He does a little bit of everything because even though that he's in charge of mostly coding and lead design, he he has has had his try at artwork and stuff as well. I recently came along and been working with the studio for almost like a year or something, give or take. You know, I've been a supportive role in terms of art. Mostly technical at first, and then eventually he brainwashed me into doing like actually creative work and creating scenarios and and characters and stuff like that. And mostly like on the business side of things. Okay, I like that. So you're you're both doing a little bit of both, a little little bit of technical, a little bit of creative. It's nice that Sai gives me credit for doing art, but the fact is that my art is not. I mean, it, it is. <laughs> well, it is. Okay, stop. I'm, stop. <laughs> Well, Sai is. I think Sai is the good artist. She she came up with uh, Z and Era. Those are basically a hundred percent her design. And uh, you know, she she came up with the Matchy Mart design and the Zootlandia design. And so you you've done a lot of really good creative stuff. We also had a lot of uh, people that we have had as a outsource talent that have helped along with the process as well. Michael has a lot of different people along the years for like strategy, don't shoot yourself. I mean, there's a lot. It's been a lot of people that have worked with us before, too. Yeah, that's generally my attitude is that I hire people to do what I need to fill in the blanks kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, part of the strength is sort of this network that you've created of uh, talented folks. Yeah, yeah. That was my plan all along. (laughs) (laughs) I I know that's how it goes because I I started as a solo developer myself and I've met many people more talented than me in in all sorts of wonderful ways. And I certainly rely on that. And I I think that's probably a natural part of the process. Now I need to ask you because you were asking us earlier if I actually had any questions for you. Like when I met Michael, he was also doing a lot of work by himself in I have no idea how anybody can take on so much work by themselves. How do you survive as a solo developer? That is insane. I always work with larger teams. I always work with like at least, you know, 20, 10 people kind of stuff. But one single person doing everything feels like you can go mad very easily. 
I can't speak it's, for Michael. I can say it, it's very easy well, to I'm, I'm lose asking, your mind. I'm asking you directly because, I mean, it's a lot of work to do for just one person. My first app was actually a educational mobile app that I created mostly for my son as a prototype to help him with letters and numbers. But that's so cool. I, we had so much fun with that, and I thought yeah, other people were asking, like, is there a way I could get that for my kid or, or whatever? So I took about six, eight months to flesh it out and put it up in the app stores, and it, it really it does start as a fun thing. And you start to get into that grind in the middle, you know, second half of the project. And it's easy to sort of like lose yourself a little bit and feel like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. But it, it is really good for you in terms of like exercising those like project completion muscles. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've I found that you have to sort of practice at getting things finished. You know, like completing right. things is a skill that you have to that you have to like flex your muscles. You have to practice it to get it to work. I remember the first thing that I told Michael when we started working together was like, it's impossible for you to do everything yourself. I mean, there is a line in which you actually can become a little bit unhealthy because even the part of publishing was, you know, crushing him so hard at the time. It was like you're working intensely in all of the development, all the design stuff. And even though that you might have, you know, people that come and, and assist you with art or music and stuff like that. It's just a lot to take on yourself. Yeah. It is really a lot. And I, I think probably the hardest part is learning to let go a little bit for me. Yes. At least. <laughs> yes, it's true. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. No, I <laughs> just overly enthusiastic and a little bit delayed. It's mm. like, yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. No, that's all I had to think was, yeah, the, 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 the it's been really helpful to have Sai just to it, – it really is difficult when you get into your own kind of space to kind of – I mean that – that I think Don't Shoot Yourself is the game that I did that was the most kind of just me in a bubble, which is sort of why the game is about being in a bubble. But, right. uh, you know, it's – Yeah, of, it is. It's, it's <laughs> a good game. It's a good puzzle game. Um, so it, it – it, I mean – I'm, I've enjoyed it much more working collaboratively with Sai because it just feels more of a natural process to kind of be able to go back and forth on a design idea and, you know, to have someone chime in really at the beginning and just say, well, that's a bad idea, which, you know, is actually, <laughs> it's hard, it's hard to like admit that you need someone to kind of stop some ideas out right at the beginning but it is actually i'm really grateful that Sai kind of comes in and sort of says well that's not a good one <laughs> it's true you do you need that objective feedback from the outside sometimes because when you do too much alone yeah i personally lose a little bit of sight of like what's what are my best ideas really and what have i just come up with to sort of uh, close a gap and uh, I, I do think the quality definitely goes up when you start to rely on other people for some of that, uh, <laughs> some of that uh, input. Yeah. yeah, not just in not just in design, but also in like little things. That, because sometimes we get stuck, and this is why it's so good to actually work with with a team. Because sometimes you get caught up in little minimal details that sometimes they don't even matter, and you just have to have someone to be like, you know what, this is good enough. We need to move on. Mm -hmm. It's very important yeah. to just keep perspective. And yes. and you both are responsible for the publishing roles as well. Uh, is that right? Yeah, so. as it goes, yes. As we can, because sometimes it's, the problem with uh, indie development is that 
the, the time is limited. You do have a very limited time. I mean, you, you get caught up in uh, your working, you're trying to get features to work, and then you're doing the better testing and whatnot. But time keeps on going by, days keep on going by, and you still need to make your uh, deadlines. So sometimes we're like caught up in different situations of the gate of our production, and we still need to move forward with the publishing, and we need still to. So we kind of take in as we can. Mm-hmm. Because it's a lot to take in as it is. Yeah, I, I feel like we're we. I feel like we could. Uh, we're doing a lot of work for just two people. I mean, it's yeah. a lot of roles for you know that we're doing. We're doing publishing. We're doing art. We're doing design. We're doing code. We're doing. It's a lot of. It's kind of a shoestring kind of setup where we're trying to like do more than what we what we actually have the right. the resources for. So that's there's a tension there. Yeah, I I really think we we're doing we're finding a good balance. I hope I think so. <laughs> that doesn't sound very confident. It's I get it though. I, 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 <laughs> we're surviving, indeed. It it can be tough to see. Like, are, are we making it? Like, is it is it amounting to what we want it to be? I get it. Sometimes it's hard to tell. Yes, it is. Uh, I'm very I'm difficult. Mis- nowadays because i mean there's a lot of things changing so it requires more of you it requires more attention and more time when it comes to publishing like for example steam algorithm keeps on changing so sometimes when you think you're doing okay or when you think you have done something in the past that was successful or was actually good then it turns out that it doesn't really have the same effect so you have to go back to the drawing board you have to go back and sit down and and reevaluate what you did the data that you got from that and then you just have to you know not let failure take you on and to just pick yourself up again and, and start over. And it's difficult because, as I'm telling you, I mean, we're still working on uh, different games at the same time and we're still doing the publishing and we're, sti- we're currently on early access mm-hmm. and we're still working a lot, I mean, heavily on development. So sometimes we actually have to take a pause on different roles that you take in just in order to be able to, hey, guys, we're still alive. <laughs> we're yeah. working, we're still alive kind of stuff because it does require a lot out of you as a game developer nowadays. Yeah, it it's really it's amazing the amount of small things that we need to do that have, you know people in our small community have started bringing up you know ideas or or issues or you know not to say that the game isn't amazing but you know small small tweaks here changes there and it you know that's part of the early access process is that you know, we get all of this other perspective so that we can, you know, and it just fills us with, we want to do even more stuff. We like, we want to just, we want to do it even more and more and more and more and more. So it, it it's, there's a tension to try and get so much stuff done. Yeah. Well, it's a good uh, topic to get into actually. You, is, is this the first game that you did early access with? You, you just put Machigachi straight up. Is that right? Yeah. The, yeah, that's the, this is the first one. That we okay. did with the early access setup, and I mean uh, the original Machigachi had to be a. I, I did sort of play through it over the weekend, and it uh, it's so cool because the simplicity and just you sort of get to experience the interesting twist on the on the the genres. But you you can play through it in a short time, and it's it's nice, and there's not too much to learn or anything. And then I I started Machigachi Z, and I'm like oh, goodness, there's much more to this, and it's going to have to go pretty much straight into my backlog. Yeah, well, we got Machigachi was supposed to be some sort of like a promo game. We were thinking of having people welcome in into the whole Machiverse idea because we're developing a bunch of games in the series with these characters. And the first one that we decided to go along with was this Tama-like 
and it was supposed to it was supposed to be just a one time thing and an experience a casual experience and very cutesy you know so people actually get you know a little bit involved into the whole matching star scenario and whatnot and apparently it did so well we decided to do Machigachi C, which is basically all the ideas that we got from the beta testing along with all the feedback that we got after launch made into a new game. They have the store, we have the customization of, you have everything, like from food to wardrobe to elements to even the personalities. People really wanted us to at least make a differentiation of the pets. So we are working on that right now. We actually added a whole AI thing that now the pets have different kind of skills and whatnot. So there's a, it's been a lot of work based on that success that we had at the beginning. And, and my four-year-old is completely on board, by the way, I played this with him over the weekend (laughs) and and he, he bought into this right away. So he's, he's a fan. (laughs) Can you believe that this actually been something that was kind of like an accident of sorts because well, happy accident, because we never experienced something like this before. I mean, when we created Machigachi, it was uh, intended as a casual game, but for adults. And surprisingly enough, we have a very important, uh, audience of kids like we literally have kids completely fangirling over the game and and they're very excited and they play it and they're they even at the when we did the beta testing for the first one they were very involved in everything so it's actually a very pleasant surprise to know that even kids can enjoy the game yeah and i i looked at it like work i was like i'm just getting ready for an interview and and he comes over like what you know what you got there oh (laughs) I was trying to make the characters, you know, kind of, I, I, I was just trying to, I was thinking of things like SpongeBob and, you know, that, that sort of stuff. I, it was sort of, it was one of those things where I hadn't really realized, oh yeah, you know, this is going to be perfect for kids. It was, I was just sort of, I like SpongeBob, so I should make a character like Johnny Bravo or SpongeBob or, you know, some of the anime characters that I like. And you know, I guess that that's appealing to kids, of course, you know, the yeah. <laughs> and when you bring enough of that with you from childhood, like I, I was a fan of those kind of cartoons and stuff as a kid as well. And, and, uh, as, as I got older and started to make my own creative stuff, I realized like, yeah, I think it does strike a chord with younger people than I, than I would have thought of because really they're just doing what I was doing at the time too. They're just watching SpongeBob and hanging out and, and, uh, we're all, so basically I'm just like a big kid and that's fine. You know? Yeah. That's kind of how we feel too. <laughs> That's one of the missions of the company. We love creating casual experiences, casual games, you know, in order to help us reconnect with with that joy that we seem to lose when we grow up. Let me ask you this. Would you say that the the early access process with this second game, would you say it's helping you connect with like a more focused audience? Um, I I don't know, like the the reviews for Machigachi are mostly positive and people have great stuff to say, but would you say that people are able to check it out early? So as a result... They know whether it's right for them or not, and you, you know you get you get better feedback maybe as a result. It's been a different experience. Uh, I mean, I've been before I started working with Michael. I did publishing for a few years myself, and I never really experienced something like early access myself. I mean, it, you're used to the feedback. You're used to people, especially when you do processes like beta testing or whatnot. But it, in this particular scenario, we just widen our audience we do have a lot more people now as in terms of uh we have 
Tamagotchi fans, we have Clicker fans, we have a lot of different people, and they all have different requests. So I think the challenge right now has been trying to define, you know, it's great that we get so much feedback, but sometimes we don't want to stray too far away from the actual design that we want, because I remember, I don't know if you've read it yet, Michael, but we we have had people in the Discord mention that they would love if the pads do more or do something else besides building ships and stuff. And right. I'm not entirely sure that we want to stray away entirely from the essence of the game, because, you know, the idea of the game is that they are, you know, these rocket surgeon stars and they, you know, the, the ships are part of their ecosystem, how they connect, you know, connect with the, the harvesting the energy in the universe and whatnot. So it would change a lot if we try to stray away from that. So I think the challenge right now would be, you know, try to keep up a very open mind and still try to, you know, keep the essence of what the design is of what we want. I mean, we're, we're, it's very valuable. We, I have a big sheet of every, literally everything that anybody has suggested. Like we keep it written down. Here's, here's what this, you know, this idea. And for this build, someone suggested this and, you know, it, it, we really love getting all this feedback and it, the challenge as Cy points out is, you know, what do we do as the first thing, you know, what's the, what's the top focus of what we want to get done first. Another so, thing that I think they've mentioned is that they want, I mean, they want the player to become some sort of like an entity to have some sort of stats or whatnot. In I remember talking about this with Michael, I think it was, right after the launch that we got this one feedback and I kept telling him like, you know, if we include kind of like trainers or something like that, it will become like a Pokemon kind of vibe, right? It will become something else. Yeah. Yeah, Because then you will have to complete different set of stats besides the one that you have with the pets. And we already need to define the stats of the pets before we even consider adding more things that we need to just control. So it's, it's, it's a challenge because I mean, I love the feedback. I think the feedback has been great. It has helped us, um, Organize a lot of things that we needed to keep a little bit, you know, better, make better. But at the same time, it's it's hard sometimes to say like, well, this is this is as good as it gets. Yeah, and and I'm sure that it became sort of a uh, a, a tough balance to strike because ultimately it is sort of a tie-in game with a, a really ambitious what what I'm sure turned into an ambitious universe you're creating yeah. the two of you so it's like how much can you put into one of these tie-in games you're also working on the next one yeah but, I mean the the problem is usually that you need to define uh, how much you want to just add in terms of that because for example we would love to include stuff like multiplayer or something like that but I don't think it will fit this particular kind of game because it's supposed to be this kind of casual experience that you pick up in between games or you pick up when you you know you need a little pick me up or something like that and it's meant to be uh, some sort of a destruction of source I mean if we keep on adding more data if we keep on adding more challenges so to speak it is going to become a completely different experience it's going to for, it's going to take for you perhaps an entire day just to get used to all the numbers and all the data that you have to work around mm-hmm. so it kind of loses that casual sweet you know thing that you can play today or play tomorrow or it just changes but, the dynamic yeah and it, it's difficult because you know I, I can you know i'm sitting here thinking about like trying to make like a version of the Miiverse with customizable Matchy Star characters right now, just based on that. Like, I mean, I would love to do like all sorts of crazy projects in this universe with like 
doing different riffs on games with twists. And I mean, I could just think of all sorts of stuff that I would love to matchify. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that's the first time. Um, yeah, that's the first time we, we used that one. Matchify. Um, you know, it, it it's just you, you got to focus in on what the most important stuff is and get that done as, as you know in order. So that that's sort of what the goal is. Another challenge that I think we've we've learned the hard way about early access is that nobody really takes you seriously with early access. People think that are probably going to be one of one more game that people are going to abandon or something like that. So to get press or to get attention with PR via Machi, uh, Machigachi C specifically, we had better chances with Machigachi than Machigachi C. It was very hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we have some sort of a unwanted kids cooties or something like that. I'm not exactly sure what the deal <laughs> is, but yeah, I mean the game, did, I think Machigachi C looks better and it's got better, not better, it's got more content, so to speak. So, at first, I thought it was going to be easier to get, you know, attention or to get, you know, help people to to get people to get interested for PR purposes and stuff like that. But it was it was completely different. It was completely the other side around. It was been very hard to promote the game, and uh, it's been very hard to be taken seriously for some reason because it's like early access is not a finished game, so automatically you're discredited as a game. That's yeah. fair. Uh, and and when I started it. It corrected my any uh, assumptions I had right away because I was I barely got through the intro before I had to move on and, and work on something else. It was it was very clear this had a lot more depth than the, the previous game I had played, and it was like, oh, this is pr- pr- seems pretty mature at this point already. And it's it's hard to communicate that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we were even you know for a while we were even considering doing uh, like i mean we 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 weren't really there but we wanted to even do just a full launch with it and we decided that it would be better to do early access so that we can get more feedback and kind of we want to make something that really resonates with audiences so you know getting people involved and telling us you know here's what the issue is you know is is really helpful but we were, we, I mean, we had a lot of stuff in it. We we were really considering, like, in a lot well, of things. We, we, came, we came down to this decision, to the decision of early access, based on a lot of different things. One of the things, I think, was that we didn't want to delay the game anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. We, last year, we uh, my grandmother died, and that kind of put a strain on things. I It was very hard for me to work during the time because I was uh, arranging the... First it was the hospice care, and then there was the funeral. So I, I understand how it hurt the development and the production of the game. So I felt kind of horrible at the time. I was like, no, we, we shouldn't delay this anymore. I mean, it's it's been delayed since last year. We were supposed to launch at least what we wanted to launch last year, but we couldn't, so we kept on working, and now here we are. It's like we're working on early access and hoping that it's probably going to give us the opportunity to expand as much as we wanted to with the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, by the way. Uh, I, I completely understand the the part where, and we, we've talked about this on this podcast several times, when real-life stuff like that gets in the way, it's... It's different than having a full-time like 9 to 5 day job where you go in and punch the clock and everything like this is creative Absolutely. work that's deeply impacted by that stuff. And for that reason I think uh hopefully a little bit with the early access like you guys did have a little bit of early feedback from the community, the people who did catch on to it and go, "Hey, you know, we like what you're doing" and hopefully give some positive uh influence there 
because it is it, it really is tough to to stay steady during that time yeah mostly because i mean sometimes you try to do everything at once but it's very difficult because you don't you only have so many hours in one day so. right yeah and there there's a there's just so much to do there's so much stuff beyond just you know the coding and it's just so much stuff so much right stuff. Is is uh, is mobile anywhere on the list for this? I mean, like these seem like they'd be pretty successful mobile games. Uh, I my as I my joke is that I would port these to Texas Instruments calculators if we had the resources to. It, it's <laughs> it, it's just a question of uh, again, you know, get we'd have to get the hardware, we'd have to get the we'd have to or we'd have to find a partner with someone or something. It, it it's a resources question. It. You know, and by resources, he means money. Just to make yeah, it clear. yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as far as this is not clear for some people, we've talked about this before on Twitter openly, and people think that is oh well, but you know, you can list it for free at I don't know what store or something, and, and we go like, well, yeah, that's fantastic, but you know, you still need to take in the time to do the optimization for the port, and you still need to take the time to play it to see if the game is you know, not broken, if you're not going to launch a piece of crap that is broken. So there's a lot of things in between, between, you know, the idea that you want to do this and the idea of actually making it happen because you have to organize from the assets to the coding to the fact that it actually works all the way to publishing. And that takes time and takes money. So it's, it's a, if I have him coding on something for mobile right now, then Machistar is going to suffer because Machistar needs still his attention. So it's a lot of things that you just can't do at once. So, we would love to have, you know, options or partners or we even thought uh, we were even open to the idea of a publisher to help us with stuff like this. But, you know, such has not been the luck for, for us yet. Sure. Yes. And, and I'm grumpy about that, but whatever. <laughs> it's, it's easier said than done. Yeah, I understand for sure. Well, you know how hard the situation is with publishing and, and indie studios as it is. So, yeah. Yeah. The other thing is that just to be clear to anyone listening, it's not as if there's some button that you just push and you say on mobile and it's done, right? Like, I mean, just to, I just need to make that, I just need to clarify that to everyone as part of the process. There's no like, well, we just wanted to flick the switch and make it mobile, but we decided not to. <laughs> right. You know? that's, that's fair. Like, we, we, <laughs> we oh do have God. a pretty... We have a pretty developer-focused audience, but yes, for anyone that's not clear to, yes, it's it's not you just unchecked a box to be mean or anything like that. Well, you know, you you would like to believe that people understand that, but sometimes uh, the, the, the gamers are the ones that have a hard time understanding that this is not as simple as it is. Right. It's, it's right. becoming a running joke that every single time a game gets released, everybody goes like, the Switch board for when? It's like they... The game hasn't even been out for an entire month, and they're already asking for port. Right. So yes, it's hard. It's, it's like you want to. Even, I know as a developer, you will want to give them the world, but you know you only have so much time as it goes, and yeah, so much money as it goes. So you do what you can. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of along those lines, there you've probably seen Twitter's uh, ablaze over the question of difficulty in games and what's what's unreasonable and what's unfair to the player. And I, I was thinking about it, like, for very advanced, very broad games, that's important. But also for maybe casual games like this, it, it's probably a, a difficult balance to strike as well. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the, the conversation. This is the conversation, Michael. Oh, my God. Well, the thing is that <laughs> we're casual game developers. We love casual games. And 
as a as someone who spends you know a lifetime making casual games like Michael, I think it's probably hard to actually define this kind of areas. My point is that it's you know I've published before working with Civil War games. I've published games horror, point-and-click, adventure. I've been in a different kind of areas of the industry. And just now that I landed with, you know, all these cute little animals and stars and, and beautiful worlds and colorful things, it's like it's one of the hardest things I ever had to do. And I don't even know why. It doesn't really compute in my head sometimes <laughs> because you will think, hey, casual games. Everybody loves casual games, right? Well, no, apparently <laughs> Right. It is not such a clear-cut situation because apparently since, you know, there is this whole debate about, you know, whether it's difficult or not, then apparently it's, you know, you you have to fight some preconceived notions of what a game should be or should not be or something like that. And sometimes I've heard even from players say something like, well, the game is easy, so it's for kids, right? And I'm like, what? Come again now? <laughs> I mean, importantly, if you're not working on a platformer or if you're not working on some sort of pew-pew gore blood thing or something like that, and it's not a real game or something like that. So there's a lot of conversation happening on that end. And I can tell you when it comes, at least from the publishing end, it's very, it kind of hurts a studio that, you know, develops only casual games to be taken seriously sometimes because people have this ideas of what a game should be and apparently a casual game is is wrong or something. I'm not even sure if I'm using the right words here, but it is frustrating. It is frustrating because I wholeheartedly believe that if you take up time and you play, I don't know, from Tetris to Super Mario or even a Tamagotchi like we have, <laughs> and ideally you should, you know, consider yourself, you know, if you enjoy that and you are a gamer, so to speak. But apparently there are different ideas floating around and that conception that apparently make casual games take a lot of fall more so than they actually already do it was very frustrating did i gotcha. say it was frustrating because it's very frustrating <laughs> i believe it michael what's your side of that yeah i it, it's a little weird <laughs> you know i hear i hear some of these big journalists talking about how you know well i wish there was an easy mode and I'm I'm sort of I want to just like email them and say like, hey, you know, you could play an actual design to be casual game, you know. <laughs> like, I mean, I know that's a little pushy to sort of suggest, like, you know, why don't you write about us? To but, good point. You know, it, it it's kind of you know it's a little weird that a journalist is going to go and complain about how well. You know, this game that's trying to be Dark Souls and trying to be the most difficult game in the world is too difficult. And then when we send them a press release saying, hey, here's a fun game that, you know, you can, it's, it's easy to enjoy, help you find the fun in life, you know, Tamagotchi, you know, more casual game. Apparently they're not uh, going to run that story. So I'm I'm very grumpy and... <laughs> <laughs> As if you couldn't tell. (laughs) I'm outright just annoyed and irritated. Yeah, of course uh, it's frustrating. I mean, you, you, we've dedicated a lot of time for a lot of cute, different kind of stuff about the game and stuff. And apparently they seem to have no value in the perception of some people. So, of course, it's something that is going to affect you in a way or another. We love casual games. And in fact, as developers, Michael and I are 
always trying to support our casual developer friends. Like, you know, we have Snowdop, we have uh, Jake, he's doing uh, car games and stuff like that. There's a lot of different developers that are trying so hard to, you know, build casual games because, you know, they believe in the whole casual gaming experience and we try to support them as much as we can because we kind of need the support, really. So we get very excited when they do well and we actually try to, you know, buy the games at full uh, a full cost and stuff. It's not easy in casual gaming for some reason. And apparently this has been ongoing long before I even became uh, part of the casual game scene. It's, it's true, and... and- the uh, casual games, it seems like there's a an imbalance because as a game designer, it seems very natural to come up with great ideas for casual games. And I think what it is, is we come up with these and we don't really have the courage to go down that path because it's scary. You don't know, you know who, who's going to be into it and who's going to play it. And it's it's a little bit maybe better to go well, I've got this very broad appeal idea for something that everybody's going to, you know, it's more challenging and all this stuff. It was yeah. an excellent point that uh, everyone wants to talk about the difficult games they're playing and sometimes they complain about them, but they don't go back and play the casual games. Yeah. It's just that, you know, well, we come from a different kind of perspective when it comes to games. Like, for example, I live with chronic pain and I have nerve pain and stuff. So it's... Some days are very more difficult than others, and sometimes when I try to, you know, spend any time trying to recreate myself or at least try to stay away from chronic pain and whatnot, I try to go to games that are going to be enjoyable, even if it's just for like 10 minutes or something like that. Sometimes it's all I need to be able to just distract me from the pain because, you know, I mean, if you spend three weeks or a week or something like that at the hospital... And I'm not going to feel entirely happy to just, I don't know, going to Fortnite and be camped, corpse right. camp or something like that. I'm, I don't, that's not me. It's going to probably stress me out instead of actually relax me. So instead, I probably just go and, I don't know, tend to a garden full of birds and stuff. And that's probably just me. So it's a different kind of need when it comes to trying to distract myself and recreate myself. And that's where we were trying to convey the whole idea of joy, you know, the fact that, you know, it doesn't really have to be something like it's you're killing something or someone's dying or there's a lot of sadness because, you I mean, there, you already have all this kind of stuff in your life as it is. So ideally, it's just provide a little bit of a moment of, you know, of joy, a little bit more moment of, you know, something cute and enjoyable that you can actually get distract yourself with. But uh, I, I know what you mean. I, I say this about TV all the time with my friends. They'll ask if I'm going to go see the latest horror film or whatever. And, and I, I definitely respect those mediums. But I think I personally have enough conflict to deal with. And, and I, yes. I just want something different when I'm watching a movie or a TV show or sometimes playing a game. It's It com- becomes a question of like, what do you want to introduce into your day? Maybe sometimes it's just a little bit more fun. I completely agree, especially because your time is probably also limited as an adult. You have a job, you have kids, you have family, you have a lot of different things. So maybe you want to at least be able to say, okay, I'm going to at least spend like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes to myself, shut down the world or something like that. And, you know, sometimes even with a TV or uh, with a TV show or something like that, it's very hard to do because sometimes there's commercials, there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of distractions. So. Gaming is different in that particular scenario. Gaming is something that you just I also do for myself, and I try to convey myself that way too. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, that's 
I think of something when I think of like the the hardcore game. I think of like CS:GO is more my what I was doing, and it's just I still have nightmares about some of the online matches I've had where people are just brutal. They're just like <laughs> get good. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like what is this a Vietnam simulator? It's like seriously, I don't, I don't want to get PTSD from playing CS:GO. So. So, you know, that's my attitude is, you know, we try and make these fun games so that you can kind of learn to have more fun and learn to be more playful. And hopefully that kind of playfulness and funness kind of starts to seep into your your day to day life. That's that's my dream. That's what I would want to create. But I don't know. Yeah, in fact, <laughs> actually, all the designs that we've done, especially before Manchester, have been completely in the wholesome kind of vibe, like even though that there might be a little bit of conflict, it's very, it's very benign, it's very sweet, and it's very you know harmless kind of stuff. We don't, we don't want to stray into the whole killing thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never wanted to make games about murdering a lot of, or or even if there's a good reason to, you know, I didn't want to make a game about killing. I didn't want to make you know, and it it seems like that was a lot of. When I started in this industry all those years back, you know, it it uh, seemed like most of the stuff was about you know, attacking a bunch of people. So, and I have to say that that is a hundred percent him, by the way. All of that, the vision of the company, the game design, that is a hundred percent of Michael. Because I I have played uh, first person shooters and MMOs and stuff like that. It's just that I don't do anymore. But mm-hmm. he's a he's a good cookie here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I've I've killed my share of virtual guys. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like to me, it's been done a lot of times, and it's sort of I that I guess that's me silvermaning things. Is it is you? I'm glad that you're finally accepting that. <laughs> I've accepted my. <laughs> you are finally coming to terms with that. <laughs> that's that's funny, and I love the. Um... I sort of love the the twist and don't shoot yourself. I, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but all the videos I've seen, first of all, you would never know that it was a solo project. It's, it it looks too nice and it looks like it plays too well. But the the twist on that of like you're basically trying to get out of your own way. I, I think even it comes through that early on. That yeah, is a very it, personal project of his. It's weird because everybody like seems to understand that and I, I, even i like when i was making it i didn't get that that was like to me it was a it was a weird mathematical kind of like i was just saying if you put out a bullet in a ring will it come back and hit you like it was a math <laughs> question to me it wasn't it wasn't like a intended to be a deep metaphor at the <laughs> at the start right <laughs> And then, and then it's sort of, and then I realized that it's more, it is sort of metaphorical, and it's sort of, and it, again, I had to accept my fate because I've created an artsy fartsy, you know, <laughs> deep, you know, woo, yeah. you know, I've got, to, I've got to accept my nature as this, this artiste kind of character. I don't know. Farsi, farsi. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this. That was a while ago now. Did you have to do green light with that? Yes, that was on green light. How did that go? I also did it on iOS too. Oh, okay. And was the green light experience positive or? Green light? Yeah, I, if I remember correctly. Be honest. What? Be I'm being honest. honest. On green light. Be honest. Here's, here's the way it works. Nobody likes green honest. light. <laughs> 
on Greenlight, I posted it up, and it got it got a lot of positive, you know, oh, this looks good, oh, this looks, I would get this, you know, like, a, I think it was like 200 comments were sort of like, yay, you know, this looks cool. And then, of course, Greenlight kept it on there for, what, a year? I mean, it was sort of, it just, yeah. that was, that was... That was the bad part of Greenlight, right? Like, to me, it seems like when we launched on Greenlight, you know, it got a bunch of positive feedback. It got a bunch of upvotes. People said, this looks good. I would get this. I would, you know, it seems like they should have just flicked the switch and said, you know, okay, Greenlight. But apparently it took about, what, six months, nine months after that for them to let it through. So that part, the waiting part was not fun. (laughs) And that, that was the trouble. Nobody knew what would make them flip that switch. It was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I went I went through the green light process with a different game in a different company and I can tell you that it was excruciating trying to get the data because apparently they used to at, at first they used to quantify the data daily. Like you had to break the threshold of what it was kind of popular. So mm-hmm. basically just to ballpark the number you will have to get at least like 100,000 views or something per day and that is exhausting. Because, you know, as an indie developer, you have limited venues, like you have your Twitter, you have your Facebook, and maybe you have a few friends or something like that, a few developer friends that could actually talk about you one day or something. So sometimes for you to break through that, you actually had to be constantly looking for new audiences to be exposed in just to be able to meet up the basic data for you to reach out the views. It was really frustrating. I worked on that with Phoenix, and it was really frustrating. We got the game out of uh, Greenlight eventually, but it was not fun yeah. that's why i'm telling him like be honest because he survived the process by himself i actually had a team at the time but it was exhausting and like you said earlier steam is so prone to these changes that uh some sometimes you know about them sometimes you don't uh most sometimes of the time you don't <laughs> most of the time you don't and sometimes they're small impact and sometimes the impact is huge so this in mind are are you all thinking about setting up camp in the epic store at any point we already contacted the Epic Store. Uh, when was it? Like a few months when the when the news hit that they were going to open a new store or something like that. We did. We contacted them. They were not interested in us. So mm. I'm guessing the Epic Store is some sort of a place that you know, with the whole idea of curating content, only few indies, the selected few indies, will be able to just get on that store at first. I'm not entirely sure if they're going to open the doors to the indies or not, but I can tell you that they did not open the door for us. So. Yeah. yeah, they they uh, that that also makes me grumpy, but you know, <laughs> when people are setting up a store, they want. And we emailed just to get information at first. We were like, hey, guys, I mean, how's the process? And they didn't care. It sounds a lot like the way Nintendo is doing things with the Switch, which I think is directly connected to, like you said, people complain, when is this coming to Switch? And for a lot of people, they don't even have the option. Yeah, pretty much. And I think with Nintendo, you actually have to have someone that's a connection or something. Otherwise, it's very hard. I've heard. I'm not sure. I've never been through that process myself. I have too. I've looked into it myself because I thought maybe I could develop something directly for the Switch when it was first coming out. And that was just right out of the question. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of gatekeeping, which I rail at that. I just get so angry. I mean, I, I, I made my game about breaking down walls and I stand by that, you know, break down the walls. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, it's just, I don't know, it, it, it's very upsetting because it, it's just 
you want to try and get your work out there and it, it feels like you're kind of trapped in a bubble. It feels like you're, you're, you're pushing against this barrier and it's just, it's very, it's, that's the most unpleasant part of the game making process to me. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, uh, I, I did a, an earlier podcast where someone had brought up the question. It, it was something like, do you think the Epic store is going to be okay for uni- unity developers? And I said, it's, it is too early to say, but I said, ultimately, I wouldn't really trust it because people want to pretend they're not trading one Gabe for another. Uh, I think, I think they're getting basically a second steam, but this version has a much more outspoken person in charge. And I, I think it's going to be trouble, but I, I do believe, you know in the what? Com- I think you might be right. I believe after in the competition the experience that we have but... had. Yeah. After the experience we have had, I think you might be right on that. It's just probably going to be another situation like steam that, you know, very few people are going to be benefited from that because at first, I mean, they're not, uh, explicit or clear in what the rules are, what they actually look for in, in the indies they want to have in the store. They're just basically handpicking them for now. And mm. also the fact that you're not entirely, I mean, they, they seem to have like a different perspective. They seem to have like, there's not going to be user reviews as, as I understand on the Epic store and there's going to be a lot of different kind of things, but we don't need, really know how that's going to play in actual practice. So we have yet to see how good of an option that is yet to be. Well, I can tell you the day after we did that podcast, they announced that they were, um, first of all, Tim put out that big open letter railing against unity for the way they, uh, do certain business practices and announced he was uh, introducing all kinds of funding to bring people away from unity, which I th- I thought is fine, I guess. But to answer the original person's question is, is this a, a comfortable and you know promising place for a Unity developer? I said, I, ultimately, I don't think so. Michael, when you mailed and you told them that we were Unity developers, uh, I'm not sure if I put that detail in there. Um, oh, so they just don't like us. That's fine. I think I included a screenshot of the game, and they said, "Oh, this is cute stuff. Forget it." Yeah. <laughs> Forget about casual games. Nobody cares. That's too bad. They they need those players. I would think. Right. I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. It's sort of, yeah. right. I don't have to tell you, but <laughs> this is this is to me. It's sort of you know you want to check all the boxes. Of course, you want those hardcore games. Of course, you want the artsy fartsy games. And but you're also going to want some cute, goofy, fun games with like a an ATM machine with glasses and like <laughs> you know, a star that you feed a pancake. You know, like that. That's there's a place for that. Absolutely. In my opinion. But it's sort of I'll I'll rant about that. I mean, it's sort of. (laughs) I mean, because it he comes across as a grumpy person, but he's really not. What? Nothing. I didn't say anything. Well, you can tell from his work that uh, (laughs) despite any pretend grumpiness, in there is a heart of gold, and uh, it's full of happy stars and stuff, and and people love that. Oh, I'm a fan. Your cover is blown. (laughs) I'm blushing. I'm blushing. <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, it's, it, it can be very frustrating, the whole situation, how casual games are just so easily dismissed. I don't. I never expected this to be the case, but apparently it is very much so. It, it seems to be brutal out there for people doing what you two are doing, but you seem to be navigating it as well as I've seen. Uh, so 
I, I certainly hope you continue on, and I'm, I'm sure these upcoming projects are going to take off. Thank you. We, we certainly need all the good luck and thoughts and prayers and everything. Vibes. <laughs> exactly. So uh, as we draw to a close here, tell us how people can uh, follow both of you, follow your projects. What do you want to plug? Well, so we're on uh, Steam. Uh, I guess the, the quick URL is machigachiz.com. That'll take you to our page for Mashigachi Z. That's the big project. Or you can follow us at Silverware Games is our Twitter. Um, and we're Facebook slash Silverware Games. If you just Google Silverware Games, that'll get you to all of our stuff and our website and the whole universe of things we're doing. And between you, the, the pictures of the, the fun doodles and then also the baby animals, are uh, it's, it's its own entertainment. Yes. Yeah, my my personal I, I appreciate that. My personal is SWG Spork and I guess Sai is S A Y O M G W T F. You guess? I guess. Yes. You guess. That's my that's my educated guess as to what it is currently. It's probably that. <laughs> so yeah, feel free to follow us on those and we I try and not be a grump to everyone. So we also have a Discord. Ah uh, yes. Oh that's right. Uh, what we have it? a Discord where we have all the people talking about the game. That's where we get the most feedback from. Yeah, discord.silverwaregames.com is the Discord. We um, actually had to create it. We had to create it because uh, with Machigachi, yeah. I remember I got over 300 requests for beta testing, and it drove me mad. I swear to wow, you, yeah. I every single one of them. In weeks is frustrating because I mean you had I had email I had Steam I had uh, it was on Facebook too it was on Twitter everybody was just reaching out to me so we created a Discord for that purpose huh, so yeah. they can so they can drive Michael mad too. <laughs> That's cool though. <laughs> it's so Very cool. So um, well, this time flew by. I, I'd love to have you guys back when the next one comes out or when things get closer to completion. Like this was a lot of fun. We will be happy to come back. And thank you so much for having us. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a great time. Thanks for having us. And thank you for navigating the casual cooties and <laughs> talking to us, even though we are disgusting casuals. Yeah, we're not we're not the cool kids, but, but thank you for appreciating the I, time. That we I think us. this audience is going to understand it better than most. So be on the lookout for them. <laughs> oh, uh, I appreciate it. That's sweet. Okay, thank you again so much to Michael and Sai from Silverware Games. Weren't they great? Check out games from the Machiverse, including Machigachi and Machigachi Z, now in early access on Steam. Tim Kitzrow, the voice of NBA Jam himself, did our new intro. Can you believe that? He provides custom recordings on demand at whosaidwhatnow.com. That is whosaidwhatnow.com. Check that out, and check out Rage 2 when it comes out to hear more of his good stuff. Our buddy Chris Steele, a.k.a. Time, performs our new intro theme called 8-Bit Memories. You can hear that track and more of his really awesome work at soundcloud.com slash timeraps. As always, if you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, you can follow along by subscribing anywhere podcasts are found. Please consider dropping us a rating and a review or tell a friend who's into this kind of thing. And if you want to go even further, check out how you can get involved with our new community over at patreon.com slash play. 
We'll be back very soon with more very cool stuff, and we can't wait to show you. So keep working hard, keep playing, and we will talk to you soon. Ken with throwing the sign peace. America was playing real like Zaxxon in the Middle East. But no matter how much my neighbor said the world would end, I was determined to play Missile Command till the end. I wasn't a normal child who played with yak backs and crayons. Cause I liked how that track ball felt like the world in my hands. Each star was a space invader, the sky was Gallica. Every day was a boss fight, the soundtrack was Metallica. This was back when the only snakes in my life were on Cupert. And video game pixels were the only people that you heard. Every day was Burger Time. Killing spiders and centipedes Back when bedtimes and bass were my only enemies At that moment, nothing mattered in my life more Than seeing my three initials at Lakeside with a high score But now I'm older, there's no quarter to resurrect a hit reset It's either game over or success I'm walking towards a light, bright, no regrets